I V M. Hello and welcome to the Wire Talks. I'm Siddharth Bhatia. In the past few days, Mumbai has seen some of the worst pollution in its history. Its air quality levels have fallen to lower than Delhi, which is considered a highly polluted metropolis. This comes at a time when India has been identified as the eighth most polluted country in the world, and 39 of the world's most polluted cities are in India. This research was carried out by the Swiss firm IQ Air. These are shocking statistics by any count. What are the implications of this and can this situation ever be improved? To understand this, we invited Dr. Anju Goel, an expert in air quality management at the Tata Energy and Resources Institute in Delhi. Dr. Goel is a fellow in Terry's Earth Science and Climate Change Division and has studied in IIT Delhi and the University of Surrey, where she obtained a PhD. She is currently leading the Clean Air Project, which focuses on four Indian cities, two in UP and two in Maharashtra, Pune and Nagpur, along with a team of 15 researchers. Dr. Anju Goel, welcome to the Wire Talks. Anju, going by this survey, Indians almost throughout the country are breathing in very, very toxic air. This is alarming, wouldn't you say? Yes, that's true. Because if you look at the WHO guidelines, so the air quality levels in India are many, many times higher than the WHO guidelines. So, yes, that is true that we have a we have uh, a problem of air pollution all across the Indian cities. And it's not just urban phenomena, rather in our rural areas also, the levels are also alarmingly high. Now, how did this reach rural areas? Is it just because it's spreading or uh, what exactly is the cause of this? You know, in rural areas, uh, one is like it's spreading from the urban areas because of the wind movement. The second point is there are the sources in the rural areas as well. For example, in rural, rural areas, most of the people, they use biomass for cooking because of the you know shortage, shortage of LPG. So, which is one of the major source of air pollution, especially in the rural areas. Then when you talk about agricultural machineries, the tractors that are being used, sometimes they are very, very old because there are not new norms for those tractors. So these off-road machineries used for the agriculture, again, contribute a bit to the air pollution. Then the third factor could be your agri-residue burning that happens. Uh, you know, uh, while the farmer is done with the cropping and then they need to uh, do the new crop, when the time is short between the uh, first cycle and the second cycle, so they, they normally, you know, burn those crop residues, which is another factor that that is responsible for having the particulate matter pollution in rural areas. Clearly, what you're saying, Anju, is that when somebody living in a city looks up or breathes, uh, and says, let me go to the countryside. Uh, it's, it's not easy to escape uh, this level of uh, pollution. And uh, by that token, one would say there's hardly any place left. That's I'm, sorry to, I'm sorry to uh, reduce it to such a simplistic this, but yes, that's what I'm trying to kind of, kind of look at the uh alarming nature of what's going on 
I absolutely agree with you uh, because you know normally we look at pollution as an urban phenomena, but that's not true. It's there in the rural areas as well. It's there. Yeah. I've spoken in the past to pollution uh, scientists as well as uh, those who have uh, studied this phenomena. And they say that, uh, at least in the cities, the elite manages to insulate itself and uh, it is the underprivileged who get hit. But surely we breathe the same air, don't we? Uh, see, we breathe the same air uh, like as it happens with the water purifiers. Elite can afford water purifiers while the vulnerable group cannot. Right, the same is the case with the air also. Nowadays, there are air purifiers. So elite can afford to have those air purifiers in their buildings to breathe much cleaner air as compared to the vulnerable population. The other thing is that the vulnerable population is much more exposed. Why they are more exposed? Because they are living more near to the sources. Elite population, elite population will never cook for their food on biomass. While if you look at the vulnerable population, for example, in slums in the cities, half of the population is cooking either on the biomass or on the kerosene stoves. So they are more exposed to the pollution. They are living at the places where the roads are not paved properly. And you know, elite classes can afford to change their vehicle once in five years, once in 10 years. While if you look at the vulnerable population, once they bought a vehicle, it will stay with them at least for 15 to 20 years. But at the same time, I mean, the entire city or the entire population of a particular area is contributing to it. Whether or not I change my vehicle shouldn't matter. Uh, that air is coming into, apart from which my children go to school. There's no air purifier in the bus, perhaps. All those things, I mean... It is said that the elite manages to keep itself insulated. But the bigger question is how long and how much? Well, I would say this, this question is not completely true because no one can escape from air pollution. You can stay in a closed building uh, for 8 hours, for 10 hours, but as you rightly pointed, you need to go outdoors. You know, you cannot reduce your physical activities. You cannot stop sending your kids to the parks. You cannot stop sending your kids to the schools. So, so it's not possible to completely escape this problem, not possible for anyone in the country. Everyone is facing it. So recently, you know, we've always heard, especially in winter, that, oh my God, Delhi, Delhi's uh, pollution is really, really high. And uh, of course, the usual suspects are blamed. Stubble burning in Punjab, the number of cars and motorcycles in the city. But recently, Mumbai had a haze hanging over it for several days. And the city, for a while, was said to be more polluted than Delhi. This has never happened before. So how did some city in which there is a sea next to it, when we always were proud of the sea, saying that the pollution was carried away uh, into the ocean, how did this happen in a city like Mumbai? So uh, when we talk about air pollution, so one needs to look into primarily two factors, right? One is emissions. Emissions are basically the pollutants emitted by different sources. If I drive a vehicle one kilometer, how much pollution I am emitting in the atmosphere? The second factor that plays an important role is the meteorology. 
Meteorology is basically your wind speed, wind direction, wind temperature, right? All those things, they help the, these emissions to get dispersed in the atmosphere. So when you say like, uh, you know, why it happened when you have a sea next door, why, why, why the pollution level is building up? So the simple question is, the, so, so the simple answer to this question would be, you know, there is a change in the meteorological parameters. There is a change in the meteorological conditions this year. If you will look at the wind speed, this year it has reduced. Like Mumbai used to experience approximately 13, uh, 13 to 15 kilometer per hour of a wind speed. This, this winter it reduced to approximately 5 to 7 kilometer per hour, which is almost like one third or half of what it used to be. Similarly, if you will look at the air exchange between the sea and the ground. So earlier that used to happen once in two to three days. Now, because of the reduced wind speed, it is happening around in a week to 10 days, due to which what is happening is the pollution is getting stagnating in the city and the pollution level is building up, which is the primary reason for having this you know, greater uh, pollutant concentration and the, having a AQI slipping to the poor and the very poor category this winter. This is the prime reason. The other reason, as I've told you, emissions emitted by the different sources. I was looking at the scientific studies done by the NIRI, National Environmental Engineering and Research Institute. So I tried to compare the study done by the institute at the two time scale. So the first study was conducted in the year 2010 and the recent one is conducted in 2020. So if I look at the comparison of the source-wise emissions, so overall it came out, uh, especially you know, dust-related sources, emissions from the dust-related sources have increased drastically in the city. And these include construction dust and the dust from the paved and the unpaved roads. So these are some of the prime reasons you know, for having such a bad air quality in Mumbai, especially this winter season. The you talked about wind speed. That is surely something to do with the changes our climate seems to be going through. Is it, would you say? Uh, you know, I was going through the literature and it came out like uh, this year, it is because of the La Nina. What happened because of the La Nina, uh, the, uh, the su surface temperature of the uh, seawater, it has dropped and which has basically impacted this wind pattern or the wind movement between the ground and the sea. And is basically one of the most you know important culprit behind having this high episodic air pollution levels in the city. You mentioned dust sources, sources of dust, unpaved roads, footpaths, etc., and construction. Now, I don't know when you came to Mumbai last, Anju, but the whole city looks like a one big construction site. Whether you look at uh, the coastal road, which is a massive affair. Uh, uh, or you look at the number of buildings that are coming up, old buildings uh, being brought down and new skyscrapers being constructed, all those factors. Now, recently, in some areas of the city, residents protested, saying that can the builders, the contractors, take some steps at least to try and mitigate the dust now i don't know what fact what uh, what uh, steps they can take but clearly nobody is paying attention now the municipal uh, corporation has said that we'll appoint a committee to study but it's pretty obvious that dust is definitely part of the entire equation 
how much does in a urban setting how much does construction uh, as a contributor to dust how much does construction contribute you know it varies uh, from city to city and again like depending upon the intensity of the construction but uh, normally you know it can vary somewhere around like 5 to 10% and when you talk about the steps that a builder can take so there are guidelines for mitigating dust emissions from the construction site and these are very simple guidelines and very easy to follow so the only you know the push that is needed from the regulatory bodies is to make sure that the builders follow these guidelines otherwise they should not allow the constructions construction to keep on going so you know that regulatory push needs to be there only then this thing will happen on the ground uh, and the guidelines when you talk about guidelines yes there are guidelines these are very simple guidelines for example whenever construction is happening the construction needs to happen uh, the whole site needs to be barricaded at least 3 meter high with a cloth or with a uh, or with or with a material which is having at least 50% of the porosity the construction sites where the large uh, which which are like large construction sites in nature and the long term construction is going to happen so there are there has to be a wheel washing facilities at the entry and at the exit of the construction site so that uh, whenever uh, the the trucks which are transporting material from the construction site inside and outside the in, in and outside the construction site you know they should not carry the dust along with their wheels to the outside roads that can help reducing dust emissions to a greater extent similarly inside the construction site there is a need to maintain roads there is a need to take measures to prevent soil erosion so there are the, there are a set of a guidelines to prevent the dust emissions from construction and which can be you know applied easily at any construction site uh this question that i'm going to ask you has two parts part 1 do these are these guidelines uh, incorporated in any local government municipal corporations etc in their uh, in their permissions when they give permissions are they incorporated question 1 and the second part of this question is are these municipalities and local government bodies up to enforcing them right uh, so i can give you few examples uh, where it is being incorporated in the permission part so if you take an example of up so there they have developed a dust app so the dust app basically does a self auditing of the construction site and it is it has become mandatory for all the builders to do that self audit using the dust app otherwise no construction would be permitted at their site similarly if you took an exam if you take an example of delhi so delhi government has come up with their own construction guidelines and which is mandatory for every construction or the every builder to follow on their large construction site specifically similarly haryana has come up with the guidelines so there are guidelines uh, and there are also central guidelines as well as the state specific guidelines which are there so some of the state governments are incorporating them to grant permission for the construction site while others are just forcing the regulations to be followed though they are not included at the permission we'll be right back after this short break welcome back to the wire talks 
but uh, it's wonderful to hear this because I didn't know, and uh, certainly I'm sure there must be some kind of guidelines even in uh, Mumbai Municipal Corporation because after all, it's the richest municipal body in the country. But do they have it in them? You can't expect a constructor or a builder or a developer to be so uh, diligent with due respect to them. But do our local bodies have it in them? Do they have the ability and the willingness to push through these guidelines if they are not followed? Yes, uh, you know, with the current support of the infrastructure that most of the cities are having, especially you know, city like Mumbai. All these are the smart cities. They have a greater infrastructure, you know. I would say state-of-the-art infrastructure to check even if these guidelines are being followed or these guidelines are not being followed by installing PTZ cameras on the site. You know, they can remotely monitor these sites. And some of the cities are even doing that. For example, in UP, the Lucknow is doing that. At every construction site, it, is being, it has become a mandate that they need to install a PTZ camera. And the recording of that PTZ camera is being fed into the integrated command in the control center of the smart city center in Lucknow. And through the, through the integrated command and control center, these sites are being remotely monitored that what is the amount of the dust, visible dust emissions coming out from the site. So there are ways to monitor remotely also in order to make sure that the, these guidelines are being followed by the builders at their construction site. Uh, and what about uh, solutions that are uh, talked about? I think the Delhi government went ahead and uh, imposed them. Now, I have just heard that in Mumbai, they are going to consider this as a solution. The dust towers, the big filters, have they worked anywhere? No, I would say uh, they are not going to work. It's just, it's my personal opinion. So it's, it's just a waste of taxpayers' money. Because you consider, you, you stay near the sea, right? Even if you pour a bucket of a fresh water in the sea, is it going to, is it going to do any change in the seawater saltiness? No, it's not. So similar is the case uh, with the air pollution. So what, 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 what they are trying to do is just to clear a smaller amount of air in a big pool of polluted air, I would say. So it's not going to work. Ultimately, they need to work on sources of air pollution and not only on the sources of air pollution within the city, rather they need to delineate the whole air shed. So when we talk about air shed, air knows no boundaries, right? So depending upon the wind direction, the pollution can come from outside the city and it can go from inside to the outside area of the city. So based on the, normally we define air shed as an area that behaves same in terms of the wind patterns, wind conditions. So it might be bigger than the regulatory boundaries of the city. It might include two, three more cities, two, three more districts, depending upon the wind patterns. So one needs to study these wind patterns on a long-term basis to define the air shed around the city and then try to do scientific mitigation measures on the sources. You know, putting up the smoke towers, and these large air purifiers is not going to do any good to anyone. First of all, the second, the technology is so sophisticated. It's being, in, it, you know, it's being taken from the outside country. And again, no one knows the maintenance of that. 
that will become later on a bigger issue and it's not going to solve the problem anyhow in your experience have you heard of any country any city because you said they're taking from outside have you heard of any city any country which has put up these smog towers and made them successful or found out that they are not successful well if you will take an example of the uh, foreign countries i don't remember the name now but normally you know they create a they create breathing spaces in the cities so these breathing spaces are normally created in the confined areas for example subway bus station so subway bus station is a closed confined area right there they have put in air purifiers installed towers where it's going to work because it's a it's an enclosed area right if you put it in an open area it's not going to work even the same you know it, it's 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 a similar concept with your air purifier so if you will install an air purifier in your drawing room where there are no doors windows are open all the time it's not going to work for long and it's not going to pure any air all the time the concentration would be very high so if you want to use this purifier purifier they they need to be installed in the confined spaces so you can create spaces within the cities which are confined in nature where people will where people are spending their time and they can breathe cleaner air but it does not make any sense to put these structures in the open areas yeah but that still uh, does not address the problem of pollution it just gives a little bit of relief speaking of which uh, if uh, somebody comes into a subway uh, station and there is a air purifier there and it helps me breathe what are the major you know mumbai papers are full of stories about how respiratory diseases have increased i'm sure the same is happening elsewhere what are the health hazards of uh, this level of pollution where you say that we have beaten the who standards by by a long shot uh from what i understand it's like several times over what are the health hazards so you know one of the visible health hazard of air pollution is definitely respiratory problems that one can correlate easily because whenever there are the high pollution days we can't stop coughing we have a persistent coughing and that does not go away with any antibiotics this is like an immediate response of our body towards air pollution right if you talk about the long term impacts so the long term impacts include asthma it includes copd even it is being correlated with the cardiovascular diseases recently there are studies which correlate air pollution with a with a with a with a strokes also and you know i have been interacting with a doctor with a uh, with a lung specialist respiratory specialist in gangaram so that doctor has told like nowadays the cases of lung cancers have increased and somehow that is being related to the high levels of air pollution because what happens these finer particles once we breathe the finer the particles it goes deeper into our lungs and once they go deeper into our lungs no matter how much yoga we do how much exercise breathing exercises we do they stay there they percolate into the blood through the vessels because they are so tiny and they become a part of our body system and through blood they travel to the different organs of our body so the, he was able to see those black carbon spots on the lungs and the other body organs especially in the blood vessels so once it is percolated it's there because of the long term exposure we cannot take it away from our body and it's gonna impact us not only our respiratory system rather the other organs of the body as well 
will uh, now this uh, country has got used to wearing mask suppose i go wearing a mask when i go out to for a walk or for an errand does it help yes it does help uh, depending upon the type of the mask you are using so if you are using a cloth mask it normally has an efficiency of 30 to 40% so if you really want to prevent yourself from air pollution so it's always preferable to wear n95 or n99 mask so it's gonna it's gonna help you in a long term so that that is really useful and i think that's that is one of the very good practice that we developed during this covid time so we should keep on continuing it <laughs> okay so that's actually quite a good tip because uh, if you go to southeast asian countries they've been wearing masks for a long long time every time they go out you see policemen wearing it because they are standing in the same place breathing the same air and i think that will slowly slowly come here but surely again and again i bring up this point we have to attack it at the point of emission don't we absolutely you know if we really want to get a fresh air if we really want to see those blue skies again then we need to hit the problem at the base only then it will eradicate otherwise uh, you know these are just like a adaptive solutions adapt to a problem rather than mitigate it so this this is just an adaptation which is which is you know which is also important for a shorter term but for longer term definitely you know we need to control these sources do you think that uh, pollution is uh, yet or will become one day a political issue i think you know like it should become a political issue if we really want to see a change a really dedicated effort towards mitigating the pollution then it has to become a political issue like as we demand for a, you know we demand for better education better healthcare system similarly that demand needs to be generated from the citizens that we need a clean air this should be one of the agenda of the next elections and for that you know you know like a lot of sensitization i think needs to be done at the at the citizen scale among all stakeholders of the society in order to in order so that people will giving will start giving priority to their health and slowly and over the time i think it will become a political issue now uh you you actually mentioned something just now a little while ago which i was going to used to uh, round up this discussion will we ever see blue skies again hopefully yes maybe 10 years down the line because looking at the efforts especially at the central government level if we will see you know like a lot of funding is being allocated earlier like this is the first time the funds are being allocated to mitigate air pollution and that is why we could see a lot of like lot of municipal commissioners and you know other city authorities are are giving it it, it it's a due importance so i am sure like 10 years down the line we will be able to see blue skies again yes it's it's there like we we will slowly and steadily will reach there now if you recall uh, anju and i'm sure everyone in this uh, year recalls it during covid when there was no uh, cars there were no cars moving around and industries also had shut down and construction also had shut down we saw blue skies so we do have we do have an idea that we know what is to be done but uh, on that uh, hopeful note if a scientist says it we have to take it seriously on that note of hope 
uh, let us uh, dream a uh, hope and dream for uh, blue skies but most importantly as uh, dr anju goel said that i think it is time that citizens too demanded uh, that uh, they they right to cleaner skies and perhaps cleaner waters too and maybe that will make a difference in the medium to long term that was dr uh, anju goel of terry uh, and uh, she's got a very very impressive uh, qualification which i will uh, which you heard thank you anju for uh, joining us to explain to us what air pollution is why is it hazardous and how we can possibly stop it so thank you once again we'll be back again next week with another guest till then from me sadat bhatia and the rest of the wire talks team goodbye thank you bye bye you can check out this podcast and other interesting ones on the wire website the ivm podcast website app or wherever else that you get your podcasts goodbye from me sadat bhatia and the wire talks podcast team